Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that thinks it is time for the Mavericks to trade Luka Doncic so they can build around the backcourt of their future. Jaden Hardy and Josh Green. I'm Tim Cato. Sometimes Dave, we've got Dave DeFore, co-host, you're on this episode. You know Dave. You love Dave. Dave, sometimes I have to really think about how I'm going to intro this. There were so many options. Jason Kidd said Monday before the game that, you know... He agrees with everything we write and say. Could have led with that. Could have dropped that audio in here. Should we drop that audio in here? No, probably not. Okay, fine. Fine. Be you're not a man of the people. The people wanted to hear that. Actually, I think I think we're gonna have a podcast later this week that kind of focuses on things Jason Kidd says or at some point soon. Um he also referred to a tweet by Nick Angstead that cited on off numbers as a report that said Dwight Powell was the best big man, which is uh uh not quite the way I would I would uh describe a a tweet of that manner, but uh it was enjoyable. Um, I don't know. It's a that, that's a report, I guess. As as uh our co-host Austin Guria said, Jason Kidd is objectively funny. Oh like, yeah. I know fans are more frustrated with him than almost anything this season, but if you could take like a little step back, you have to admit this is extremely funny. And he's right. Like Austin is right. Like this is this is high comedy. Um it's like a uh, it's like a Nathan Fielder bit or something. So <laughs> But I mean, yeah, the Mavericks... a passive observer like the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so the Mavericks are under 500. Yeah. Um recording Tuesday morning and the, the Dallas Mavericks, the only team to decide with a month left in the season to start tanking. <laughs> you know um the uh the the videotapes of when binyama uh th- they didn't log into youtube.com to check it out they were like hey can you guys send us a dvr and it, it just got delayed in the uh the shipping route across the atlantic so they're just now realizing oh man this guy's good we better go get him better give us uh, give ourselves a chance at him um i don't know man are they gonna it's, miss are they gonna miss the play in i mean Look, you look look at the teams around them. I mean, the Lakers are treading water. Might get LeBron back in like a week. The Thunder are right there. The Pelicans are right there. Utah's only a game back. I mean, Here, right I'll now it's this. a health issue, right? Like not having Luca is a huge deal. Obviously, I'm not not trying so, to come up so with it's reasons two why. Yeah, 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 it's it's not a health issue for the season at large. The season. Right. When Everything that has happened right this season is so avoidable. There are so many ways that this could have been avoided. Everything that has happened this season, and no matter what happens the rest of the season, no matter even if the Mavericks mess around and win a couple playoff series, the fact that they're under 500 in mid-March is not acceptable. This is this is a objectively very poor season that has made things much more difficult than they ever had to be. There's really one reason for optimism. It's a pretty damn convincing reason for optimism and it's that they have Luka Doncic it's the same reason for optimism that this entire season has had if Luka comes back on Wednesday or on Friday or whenever um, and if he is himself 
then this team should win. That's how good he is. That's how talented he is. He has not been as impactful as we saw prior to the All-Star break, um, you know, since the season resumed. And if he comes back and he's back to being Luka Doncic, this team should win because that's what teams with top five superstars do. And that may be enough to right all the wrongs and to save a lot of the problems, avoidable problems that have happened this season. I don't think it should change what fans feel right now or what you or I analyzing where this team is. I, I don't think it should change any of that. This is this is a bad, dismal stretch that could have been avoided with more wins, with with more uh, proactive uh, roster building. You know, even beyond Jalen Brunson, you know, the the team could have done more to not go zero and eight when Luca didn't play early this season. They could have done more to develop players like Jaden Hardy. I, I, I half believe that. Like, I, I don't know if developing Jaden Hardy was really the answer as much as just getting another veteran ball handler, another shot creator, you know, somebody who was limited, but gave them a chance in games that they lost without Luca. Um, to that point, one reason Luca is out right now is because of the strain and the load and the, and the burden he had to carry to this point of the season. Right? Like, you can say, you know, Jason Kidd, understandably, can say, you know, we've got to deal with this health crisis. It's very hard for me not to view the way Luka Doncic, Doncic has looked since the All-Star break and not point to what he was doing for the season's first 60 games and say, yeah, when you overwork a player to this degree, especially this player who has all of the, you know, developing concerns, he's still maturing into, you know, peak professionalism. We all expect him to get there. You, But to overload that player in the way that they did, yeah, it's inevitable that this has happened and, and it's turned into this. Um, you know, to give up depth to go get a star that you needed because you lost, you know, the, the other best player that Luca's ever played with for nothing. You know, these are all things that pile on. And to view this minor health crisis that the team is going through now, Divorced from all of the all the decisions, divorced from the way that the team built the roster, to divorce it from Jason Kidd's influence over the way the team built the roster, all of these things come together and leave the Mavericks under 500 for you know in in with the worst record since Luca's rookie year at this point of the season. That's mm -hmm. all bad decisions and short sighted thinking that led to this point. But because they have Luka Doncic and he's coming back this week, uh, we don't know that, but we know that things might be all right anyway. Um, you know, to the point that anything this season can be all right. They're not going to be a title contender. There is still a very real chance they finish the season very respectfully. Uh, respectably, um, they might season finish the season respectfully as well. Um, don't do what Giannis did at the end of the uh, Sacramento game. What was that all about? Didn't I don't he, wasn't know. Wasn't he just dribbling? Just talking. And they said he shouldn't know. have been dribbling? Anyway, I, 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 I digress. I don't care. I don't do any unwritten rules. And it's well, like, sorry, Trey Lyles not good enough to be enforcing any unwritten rules either. Trey Lyles is not good enough to wear number 41. Let's start there. The disrespect. Man. Whether it's respectfully or respectably. The Mavericks may see, finish this season that way because they have Luka Doncic coming back, hopefully back to the player that we're accustomed to him being, even for this short stretch. 
And they have Kyrie Irving. And when you have talent, you win. That's how the NBA fucking works. Am I right, Dave? That's it. Faster horses win the race, right? Like, a lot can be made about coaching. A lot can be made about the front office. But, I mean, ultimately, like, we know what their job is. The front office's job is to get good players. Coach's job is to make those players work together, play together. But better players tend to play better together, right? This is this is basketball. There's not a lot of guys out there. Five guys usually can find good chemistry, especially with some good organization. Um, but where we are now actually does matter, right? Like how we got here is inconsequential because we find ourselves in this moment in time where they're fighting to just maintain their spot in the play-in. Um, let's talk about the game because nobody was out there. But I thought that, uh, you know, like lack of talent aside, I thought the effort was great. I thought Hardy was a lot of fun. Uh, Josh Green just continues to show his growth as a playmaker. But ultimately, they they just don't have enough firepower if, if they're not going to have Kyrie and I think and Luka. I think they need both guys because the defense is so bad. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest, most telling things about that game is that the team's three leading scorers were Jaden Hardy, Josh Green, and I believe McKinley Wright. Um, maybe somebody surpassed him at the end. But the veterans on this team, Tim Hardaway, Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba, Reggie Bullock. I, I don't have the box score up. They combined for something like, you know, 20 points on, you know, five of 30 shooting, um, something to that effect. These are role players who... Luka Doncic amplifies, but they are not, you know, highly talented role players that sustain when Luka Doncic is not out there. They they cannot keep it going. And the way they look when Luka isn't out there, I think, is an indictment on the overall talent levels. We like all of those role players individually. Um, even Dwight Powell. We at this podcast think Dwight Powell is a useful, competent NBA player, right? I would say so. But the yeah. fact, but the fact that their roles are extended to the point that they are, and that you see how much they can struggle when a Luca isn't out there, and you see how much Luca turns, um, you know, players who should be seventh, eighth men, and he makes them look like like average, good NBA starters, and you know, that's ultimately the problem with this team is that 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 there is a there is a talent deficit. There has been a talent deficit. We've been saying it for a long time. You know, it was I, last week I was on Danny LaRue's podcast, Real GM Radio, and, you know, he said something that I, and I just laughed when he said it. And he was like, yeah, there's a lot of players that would look better if they're dropped a couple spots in the pecking order in the hierarchy of the rotation. How long have we been saying that, Dave? Since the inception of this podcast, I've been saying it before that. I, I, I probably wrote that sentence, um, you know, Within the first year I worked at The Athletic. Yeah. Like summer of 2019 is when I was saying this exact things about these exact same role players for the most part. Tim Hardaway Jr., Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba. Yeah, about those three. That they're good sixth or seventh men for a team that wants to be a title contender. But they've been used as starters and key reserves. And, you know, Maxi and Tim, you know, like, Maxi and, and Tim Hardaway, they came off the bench, but they have the, I want to say the fourth and the fifth most minutes on the team. Dwight Powell has been the starter, despite being a DMP to start the year. He has been the starter for 
as long as I can remember, you know, like I, I think since the inception of time, like there was dinosaurs walking around when he was named the starter and he hasn't relinquished <laughs> it and credit to him. Well, they keep, um, they, and they've brought in people. It's not right. like they haven't tried other options. It's just that from a consistent, you know, consistency standpoint, you know what you're going to get even post Achilles. So, right. And, you know, I, I make this point in an article that's going to run today or tomorrow, but it is very hard for a team with a top five superstar to be in this position. Especially when Luca has played as many games as he's played. Like, he's missed 11 games. That's not a lot of games. You know, like, he's played most of the season. He's been as good as, you know, he's been better. This is the best season of his NBA career, I, I would say. You know, you could you can argue that you know, his his bubble campaign was maybe the best he's ever been. And, you know, maybe you've got a good point. But, you know, statistically and, and impact-wise, there's no question. He's been magnificent this season. And teams that have a star performing at that level almost always are confident at least top six seeds, right? Mm -hmm. Usually, I mean, usually that's what happens. But you can't just have the one rising tide guy anymore. You've got to have pretty good players. You know, when you, if you, and, and especially right now with the parody in the league, every team is pretty decent. And the Mavericks have, you could argue, probably overperformed their roster to a certain degree, given the sure. lack of depth. So, I mean, you know, Phoenix is struggling right now. We see what happens when you trade depth for a star and the star can't play. So, right. Yeah. And because of that parody, like, the Mavericks could get Sacramento or Memphis in the first round and they'd have what the two most talented players on the court in yeah. either series, you know, you know, Josh, Josh may be coming back, probably is coming back. You know, he has a, he has a case to be made if, if they play Memphis, but the idea that they have two of the best three players on the court in any, you know, in, in two of their very likely first round opponents, assuming they salvage the rest of the season, which again, I still think is likely things could work out fine. Like this could look okay when their season ends. It just doesn't, you know, like that's, that's what I'm trying to, to harp on right now is that a decent into the season doesn't erase what I think fans are feeling right now, uh, a measured proper analysis of where the team is right now. Things need to need to improve. And, you know, a lot of that improvement is talent improvement, talent addition that that can only happen this summer. Yeah. I'm just not sure. Should they even, I mean, I guess they want to make the play in because why not? But is losing in the play in somehow worse than being in the lottery? Um, I mean, when we talk about the summer and improvements, uh, it, it starts with re-signing Kyrie. I, if Kyrie... Is going oh, I, to leave. Are we still pretending like that might happen? I guess it depends he, on the money. It depends on the money. I have, I don't know if Kyrie views Dallas as anything other than an employer, but if they offer him the most money, and more specifically if other teams don't offer him money, I would find it hard for him to believe, find it hard to believe that he wouldn't come back and, and, and take that money. So there, there's that. Um, well, right. If he has I any. Mean, the idea is if you can just force your way out in a year or whatever. Well, yeah, that's 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 certainly 
part of the thinking here. Um, if there's anything Dallas needed to do to prove to him that he should stick around, this ain't it. I'm not sure there is. <laughs> right. Kyrie does not, you know, like I, I, Kyrie's uh, does not seem like a person who, you know, is going to think differently about a situation just because they lose some games. But you know, it's it's more going to be everything else that that probably comes into into effect. But it's hard to think that this is a a compelling case that he should stick around. You know, so um, yeah, I mean, it, it, so so much of the future hinges on you know, it, it hinges on the deal that they made and whether they retain him or at least recoup some value. But even that, I think, would be difficult to 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 see them coming out all right. So. So yeah, you know that's that's where the team is, and and it does feel like. It, I think even if the team does salvage somewhat the rest of the regular season, even if they finish top six, um, maybe even slightly comfortably, you know, maybe even with a game or two to go, it's it's hard not to really think ahead about what's coming this offseason because that's not what we were thinking about last summer or last last postseason, um, or in the weeks leading up to the postseason. You know, there was there was a different level of anticipation, excitement, and a, you know, an uncertainty of what what we we're going to see. But nobody was already fast forwarding to oh, what comes next, you know. And maybe that will kind of click into place once mid April arrives, and you know, it's just a matter of getting there. But it's a weird time. So for the <laughs> Memphis game, we can go back and we can get a little more granular if you want. Um, well, Memphis, I, I'll say this. If you want to get a little granular about the difference between a, a well-managed team and, let's say, a, a not-as-well-managed team, Memphis is down everybody right now, but they have a system in place. Now, it helps when you have a, a talented guy like Desmond Bain and you have Jaron Jackson Jr., although Jaron didn't even have that great of a game. But you can see these guys know what to do. They've got a, a lot of depth. I mean, Tyus Jones is really, really good. I mean, he might be the best backup point guard in the league who maybe is a borderline starter. And so you see what happens when you have good organization on the basketball court. Everybody knows what to do. Everybody knows their job. You don't have to rely on sort of outlier performances to to pick up games when guys are out. Which, speaking of, you know, Jaden Hardy had a great game, offensively at least. Um but they still weren't even close, even with, you know, an unexpected 28 from a backup. So, you know, I, I think that there's a lot to learn from that game. Big picture, not so much in, you know, the just the one game itself. But the big picture takeaway is they don't have an, an identity when Luca's not out there. What is this team? When Luca's not on the court, this has been the biggest problem they've had the entire time he's been there. Jalen Brunson kind of gave them an identity for for the times that he was out there. Kyrie hasn't been there long enough, but not having any sort of an offensive system to 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 slip into to get you some easy system buckets. I mean, this is sort of I mean, this is the the drum I've been beating since they brought in Jason Kidd. So I really like the Memphis roster. Yeah, well, they're good. I really yeah. like I really like the skill sets of the players they have and the way that they built that team. The skill sets are all very they're varied. There's no player who 
like almost every single player has some ability to handle the ball or create their own shot, even in a very limited way. Um, you know, someone like uh, Conchar is out there and he, he didn't score. He had one point in Monday's game, but he's a ball mover. And he's somebody who can take a few dribbles, get into the paint and then kick it along. And he, and that just helps, you know, for as bad as the Memphis half court offenses, I, I think they need like one, one more really knockdown shooter. Um, you know, I like that idea of just a ball cycler. Um, Xavier Tillman is a, just a really plug and play useful, makes winning plays. He was out of college. He was known to be this, like the, the, the draft nerds, they were all pointing at, you know, his, his metric stats and how he was like top 10 in all of college basketball and all of those impact stats. Uh, and they were just like, they were sure that he was going to be good. The same for Desmond Bain. And a funny thing about Desmond Bain, who has developed in ways that were not expected, but oh bullshit! I refuse. I refuse. Nobody knew line. Desmond Bain was going to be a twenty-two point scorer. I did. Okay. I mean, I watched the okay. guy do it. I watched the guy do it at TCU. See, this is the secret to Memphis. I, I, like this, this actually is the secret to Memphis. Well, can I say one one more drafting. thing before before you yeah, do that? Yeah. Desmond Bain was the 30th pick. The Mavericks drafted 31st. Xavier Tillman was the 35th pick. The Mavericks drafted 36th. They were not going to draft either of those players right. if they had gone one more pick. Right. Could have. Yeah. You know? Like, like think about how that changes. Uh, Conchar, undrafted. Um, you know, Tyus Jones signed reasonably to a four-year deal. Um, you know, they have built this team methodically. Salty Adama, was he a late first-round pick? I don't. I, I, I can't don't remember. remember. He was, yeah, I want to say he was a late first round pick two two years ago. But they have built this team not with huge contracts and high draft picks. They have built it methodically, getting players who win in specific roles, not huge high upside players, not right. always taking swings. They have got winning players who fit into a rotation and do good things within that role in the rotation which I think is kind of the point that you're making. Yes. Yeah. They draft good players, guys who know how to play basketball already. And Desmond Bain, I mean, anybody, anybody who watched the tape on him who didn't come away with, oh, this guy is a hell of a playmaker and is going to shoot like 38% on three and probably be able to shoot off, you know, off the dribble, which he was doing in college. I don't know, man. I Maybe I just watched more tape than everybody else, but I thought that guy should have been a top five, top seven pick. I mean, I, if if I were the Warriors, I would have traded back and tried to get him and Halliburton. But the Desmond Bain... And that's aged well. He probably would be in a redrafted top five to seven pick. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, in, you know, I, I thought he would have been a perfect fit next to Luka um, in Dallas. And you know what? The scouts were right. He does have short arms. He yes. does sometimes fail to finish around the rim. In fact, in both games, we've seen this. He's he's had some finishes where mm -hmm. he struggles. You know what? Being good at basketball in all those other ways that he's good at basketball means that it doesn't really matter that he has, you know, this a little bit that, of T-Rex arm. Right. This idea that the short he arms scores. would start to yeah. affect him only when he got to the NBA, not against uh, D1 athletes, right? Like, I'm not saying that that you always have guys who can succeed, but with his bevy of skills, it was just to me it was it was transparent that he was going to be a good player. That's why I gave up. Yeah. I mean, Desmond Bain is why I gave up 
on preparing for the draft. And now I just wait. <laughs> and when I know where these guys get drafted, I can start thinking about how their skills plug into where they're going. Cause I, I it just doesn't matter anymore. If the only yeah, thing you're going to draft on is upside, you just, you've lost me. And I'm glad we can have a Desmond Bain conversation in the, in the context of Memphis's team building, not right. Desmond Bain versus Josh Green, exactly. because those are the two best players on the court on Monday. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's a really cool thing. And I'm so, you know, I'm glad for Josh Green that he has put all of those things behind him uh, right. and that he's just this good. You mentioned connectors. Josh Green is a connector. Josh Green is a connector. And, and you know, I was listening to the broadcast, which I don't often do, um, but they were talking about the lack of like, you know, they, they gave up their best defender. Well, Josh Green is their best defender, too. As a playmaker, that guy has the the highest upside defensively. I mean, the way he reads highest passing. Upside. It's still a little bit still a little bit inconsistent, but yes. Day to day, look, look, like possession to possession, he is not perfect. No, no, no way. But as a playmaker, I think he's got the highest upside defensively. And that's what they really need is they need to be able to create those plays, get out in transition, especially when Josh, Josh Green's on the court, to just create more opportunities to score easy buckets. You know, grind, having Luca grind down these possessions where guys can't get in a rhythm, I mean, that's just not going to work. So, you know, I, I don't – the rest of their season really hinges on how fast Luca can get back and what sort of conditioning he's going to be in coming back from this thigh issue. And, and then if Kyrie's going to be there. That's it. Th those are the actual question marks on whether they're going to make the play in, whether they might be able to get into the top six, which feels – I don't – I don't feel very good about. Um, but if those guys aren't going to be back in a hundred percent, I mean, they could, they could theoretically drop out of the play in. So uh, lack of a system, lack of good, solid role players around them. You can't, you can't have these guys missing time and expect to win any games. So 13 games left. It is, uh, it's, it's that time, you know, it's, 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 you know, what's, what's the phrase? Sit up or shut up. It's a little bit different than that. There's 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 a phrase in there somewhere. But it's uh you know, that's what the that's what the Mavericks have to do. And you know, I, I do think Luca will be back soon. Um I'd be it makes sense to give him one more game since the next game is 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 against San Antonio. You would uh wager even this depleted team should be able to win that without him. Um and then getting him for the rest of the year. You know, if if he is Luca, then this season may end on a slightly upbeat note. It just feels like everything is focused ahead on on the future, and there's a lot of a uh, lot of questions to be answered, a lot of uh you know holes to be to be filled. There's a lot of talent to be acquired. Um, you know, this needed up and down the roster, and so you know it's one game under 500 in, in mid March when you have a top five player in the league is. Not something that happens very often, and you know it's it's a thing that the the fault has to fall on a bunch of people and a bunch of reasons. Um, you know it's it's not irreversible, as we've been talking about this whole time, but that is where they are, and that is my takeaway from you know the the team looking as they have in in a couple losses to Memphis. Um, man, a lot of a lot of winnable losses this season too that's a lot you know. of teams though to be fair because absolutely there's a lot especially in the west there's just a lot of mediocre teams which the mavericks yeah. are a mediocre team plain and simple the mavs, but they're, the mavs they're, being, they've got good company 
The Mavs being uh, 0-8 without Luka before they won a few, and then I think 0-10 on game-tying or game-winning shots, something like that. Uh, a lot of margins went wrong for them, and uh, it's not a good place to be. But I think given the tone, given the tenure, given the content of this conversation we have, the tone was a little more optimistic than than you might expect. I, I felt like it was. And I think that's a reasonable place if, if you're More a fan resignation. of the team. resignation. Resignate. Uh, Res- resignation is where I would place this. Like, we're for as bad as things are, to, 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 to be open to the idea that there is still hope for the season, I think, is uh, a testament to Luca and how good he is. And so oh, I'm looking forward to seeing him back out there. Yeah, if they look, if they can be the sixth seed and they run yeah. into Memphis... And Memphis, let's say they don't have Steven Adams, which is huge for them. And after two wins, I think Memphis probably hangs on. It would probably be Sacramento in three. Yeah, yeah. So it could yeah. be. Could but be yeah, Sacramento. either one, either or, either yeah. or. Go get the sixth seed and either or. And you start to, you know, you start to break it down. I mean, look, man, you're going to take Luka Doncic in a lot of series, um, yeah. especially in the first round. And, and you know, they go uh, against the Kings. I think Memphis is beatable now. You know, I, I don't know that I fully believed in them as an actual title contender this year anyway, but especially with all the the drama that they've got, but also losing Brandon Clark and, and no Steven Adams for their offensive rebounding has been just massive because, you know, one of the low key things that people miss out on, you know, they talk about Jaron Jackson's lack of rebounding, but part of that is because of the, the function of his role on offense. So he's, you know, he's stretching the floor so much and that would play well into Dallas's I would guess into Dallas's sort of uh, game plan where they get to crash the defensive boards a little bit harder, but you never know. They need to be healthy or it doesn't matter. Well, Dave, for the sake of Mavs Twitter and Jason Kidd's press conference quotes, I hope the Mavericks are in a position that we can actually start talking about playoff opponents with like it being a deserved thing. The next time we talk, um, Maybe they'll even be over 500. What a concept. Maybe. But on, but on that note, um, we've got another pod coming this week. Uh, listeners, thank you for listening. Dave, thank you for talking to me. It's what you do best. It's what the listeners do best. We'll see ya. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds in heaven